by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Most of you know that our praise team, four of the members of the praise team were all in a rock and roll band 20-something years ago, and we all got saved came to the church, and, and now we're part of the praise team. We were so excited to find Jesus, and we, we changed our name from Diesel Jane, the rock and roll band, to Soul Food, the Christian. Uh, we, we became a nonprofit ministry. I remember we said, we've got to have a website. And in those days, you couldn't just go on the, online and put your own website together. You had to have somebody that knew computers. You know, you remember those days, you know, MySpace days. <laughs> that was like, you know, Wow. But this was before MySpace. We had my brother-in-law, Andrew. He knew about computers. He was a teenager. So, <laughs> and so he was going to put us a website together. And we said, well, you know, here's some information. You put it together. We'll look at it, and then we'll tweak it. Well, he put it together. And I remember the day we all got on in front of the computer to see what he put. And on the front page, it said this, Soul Food, one of the most influential bands of all times. <laughs> that's that's what we said. <laughs> the only place, the only influence we ever had was up and down Fifty One Highway at some juke joint. You know what I'm saying? We were certainly I wouldn't put us in the category of most influential of all times, right? But he, it sounded good to a teenager. You know what do you put on a website? And so we laughed. We got a good laugh about that. We even knew, you know, hey, <laughs> we'll have to take that off. But the more I thought about it over the next few weeks, I told the band, I said, you know what? Maybe God's saying that we will be one of the most influential bands of all times, you know? And so we, we said, let's not limit God. And that'd be a good thing for all of us to learn, not to limit God. If God's, you know, speaking, maybe, maybe this is God speaking. Maybe Andrew was prophesying. <laughs> and so here we are 20-something later, years later, and we are one, you know, See, we thought we was going to take the Christian music world by storm. We thought, hey, we couldn't make it in the world. They didn't care nothing about our music. But the Christian market's smaller, and we're better musicians, and we'll, be, we'll, we'll come in there, and we'll take it by storm. And we thought, we're going to be big. Everybody wants to be big. I play my son in basketball, you know, and, and he'll hit a shot on me, and he'll say, get big, get big. <laughs> like he's big, you know. Y'all ever heard anybody say that? That's a, you know, athletes say that all the time. Get big, get big. That's a new thing. Everybody wants to be big. Everybody wants to get big. We thought we were going to get big in, in the Christian music world. So here we are 20-something years later, and we're playing in nursing homes. And we're playing in troubled youth centers, and we're turning down places that we used to would have thought, oh, that we might get seen there. We don't care anything about getting seen. We have found that we would rather see people get saved. We'd rather go places where people's hearts are open to receive the gift that God has given us and, and preach the gospel through our music. And that's where we, and, and no, we're not, 
me just say, God's way is not the world's way. And if I think about it, to those little old ladies in the wheelchairs at the nursing homes, maybe we are one of the world's most influential bands. When it comes to sharing the gospel and seeing hearts truly changed, maybe we are pretty influential because we got a pretty influential message called the gospel. And so, yeah, no, I mean, the world don't think nothing about soul food. Most people have forgotten us, you know. We're behind the scenes. But God hadn't forgotten. God does things different. Say God does things different. The world's way is never God's way. The world just wants to get big. Say get big. Everybody in the world wants to be the greatest. Muhammad Ali. I am the greatest of all time, you know. Every defensive back in the NFL thinks he's the greatest. Even the disciples that walked with Jesus for three, three years were arguing and had enough world in them to say, who's going to be the greatest when they get to heaven? And if, and if I dare to look out, and if we were to be honest, most of us are still chasing some dream of being great in the world's eyes a lot of us but first corinthians 4 7 says what do you have that god hasn't given you you know if you're running a 4 3 40 you're playing for the kansas city chiefs or something does that give you a right to brag about it who gave you those two feet and the ability to run that fast and if everything you have is from God, why boast about it as though it were not a gift? 1 John 2.16 says, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything that we see, and pride. Say pride. See, the world's offering you a whole lot of pride in our achievements and possessions. They're the ones set the agenda for most, most people on the earth. The world says you got to have achievements and you got to have possessions. Or you're nothing. You're not big at all. You're small. But these are not from the Father. These are from where? The world. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I have suffered that defensive back dilemma. I have said, look at me. I'm the greatest. You can't run no touchdown on me. No, you, can't, you can't get past me. I'm the greatest. But if you watch any NFL football game, you will see that those, those defensive backs that are doing all that jawing every play, four or five times a game, they're getting burned. Somebody's catching, you know, one of the receivers is catching a touchdown in the end zone, then they have to hang their head. And then they have, they have this dilemma. Well, I just told everybody in the world that you, I can't be beat, but I just got beat again. And that's the way many of us live our lives. We brag. We talk about our possessions. We talk about all the good things in our life. And then something bad happens. Then we turn around and hang our head. And we have to build ourselves back up. And we're going to build ourselves back up. And we go down. Build ourselves back up. And we'll go down again. That's not God's way. That's the world's way. Getting big in the world's eyes 
isn't what makes you big in God's eyes. God has a different set of standards. And that's good for most of us because we weren't big anyway. Some of us have, have realized that we're not big in the world's eyes and never going to be. And we've had to come to terms with that, right? It's a good thing for little churches like Passion Church. If we get a grip on what God wants from us, we don't have to compare ourselves to all these mega churches. Just the other day I was praying about uh, the Capel Church next door, how they have that food pantry and how they're helping so many people. And that's a wonderful thing. But then all of a sudden I thought about, I wish we could do that. Maybe we will one day, but right now we're not there. You see what I'm saying? We don't have to feel, if I didn't have a proper perspective of what God wants out of us and understand that that's enough, if I'm doing what God wants me to do, if I understand, if I didn't understand that, well, I'd be chasing, oh, we got to have a food pantry. We got to start doing this. We got to do what this church is doing. We're trying to keep up with the Joneses. And we spread ourselves so thin that we never end up doing what God had for us in the first place. Same thing with the soul food band. We had to come to terms. I'm more interested in being big in God's eyes than I am big in the world's eyes. And the good news is, is no one is insignificant to God. No one. He knows how many hairs are on your head. His eyes on the sparrow. He hears when a bed bug belches. He's a big God, but he gets right down to the meat. He knows everything. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. 1 Corinthians. Have I laid a premise yet? 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 26. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that fewer of you were wise in the world's eyes. See, the Bible does a lot of talking about the difference in, the, in whose eyes you're looking from. Few of us were wise in the world's eyes or wealthy when God called us. Instead, God chose the the things the world considers foolish. Well, that'll hurt your feelings right there. But God chose those things that the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose the things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose the things despised by the... Okay, God, I get it. I, I get it <laughs> But he chose the things that are despised by the world. Things counted as nothing at all. Is this making you feel good about yourself? You see, God's trying to break you down so he can build you up. He's got to put you on the right foundation in which to build your life. No, you ain't big in the world's eyes, but you're everything in God's eyes. Things counted as nothing at all. You see, if you were wise in your own eyes, 
You were powerful. You were loved and adored by the world. You wouldn't be turning to God in the first place. You'd be the God of your own life. But things counted as nothing all. He used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. And the sooner we understand our limitations, the sooner we can be used by God. It was when soul food was young and dumb, thinking we were going to take the world by storm, that we had all these pride issues and God couldn't use us the way he wanted to. But when we got a hold and, hu and, and humility, went through that humility thing, you know. How many have been through a little humility since you've been saved? Oh, my goodness. That's the major thing in sanctification is getting the pride out. You remember the story of Gideon. He was down in a wine press hiding from the Midianites, I think it was. He was scared. And the angel of the Lord came and said, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon was like, I know you ain't talking to me. Because I'm the littlest one in my family. And my family is the littlest in our tribe. And our tribe is the littlest in all of Israel. I'm like this. And I'm down here hiding from my enemies. Well, sounds like he's in perfect position to be used by God. He understands that he can't. But God was about to show him, I can through you. I don't need your ability. I just need availability. And someone will get out of the way and let me work in, in their life and through their life. And Gideon he began to test God. He threw out a fleece and his faith began to grow. And he says, okay, you, you sure you got this, God? Because I don't. And they finally decided they were going to stand up against those Midianites. And Gideon became a voice in the nation of Israel. He, and he called for warriors to come in. And thousands and thousands of warriors began to amass. And they were ready. And they were like, we can I think we can take the Midianites. We got this many. They got that many. And they begin to do a head count and say, how much strength do we have? And God says, whoa, 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 there you go again. Trying to do things the world's way. Too many. And he began to weed them out. Weeded them down to 300. He said, I don't want you winning this, thinking, this battle thinking that it was in your strength. I want everybody to be plain about this. It was because your God is with you. Some of you, maybe you're starting to get it right now. Some of you who have a low opinion of yourself anyway, maybe brought about by the world's eyes, maybe you're starting to see that's okay. Maybe you're in position for God to use you. And some of us who are still holding on to thinking, oh, I can do this. What do you find happens over and over in your life? You keep butting your head against a wall. You keep running into one obstacle after another. You're like that defensive end. 
they keep scoring touchdowns on you, and you're like, and you're wondering, what's wrong with me? And you're going through that defensive end dilemma, up and down, up and down. Hey, give it to God. What about the nation that, that Gideon saved? It says in Deuteronomy 7, 7, that the Lord did not set his heart on Israel and choose you because you were more numerous than the other nations, for you were the smallest of nations. Rather, it was simply because the Lord loves you. Hello? Hello? Why has God set his affection upon you? Because you're great? Because you're wonderful and good-looking? Because he loves you. That's enough for me. I don't know about you. When, when the disciples ask, was arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, what did Jesus do? He brought a little child, sat it in his lap. That was his example. Jesus stressed childlike faith over any strengths of the flesh. Are you seeing what I'm saying? He said, if you can just have childlike faith, if you can just put your faith in the right place. Kids ain't worried about, is there going to be food in the refrigerator? Or is the light bill going to be paid? They just have childlike faith that Abba got it. And Jesus stressed that over and over. If you could just have faith as a mustard seed. If you could just be like a little child. And trust me and not you. <laughs> I wrote this. God is pleased by faith and he uses the faithful. Do I need to say that again? Little David, who would become King David... Samuel, the priest, goes to his dad's house, Jesse, to anoint. God has said, go to Jesse, and I want you to anoint the next king. So he's going there to anoint a king, and, and Jesse brings out his big son, Elihu, and Abinadab, and all the big brothers, and they're tall, and they're good-looking, and sort of like me. No, just <laughs> a little comic relief. Okay. But they, they come before Samuel. And everybody's saying, oh, yeah, that's going to be him. That's got to be the king. Look, oh, man, he's taller than anybody. He's got to be the king. Nope, nope, nope. God said nope to all seven of them. And Samuel's perplexed because, hey, you told me to come here to anoint somebody, and you got any more sons? He, oh, yeah, little David. He's out tending the sheep. You know, he's just a little teenager. No, you ain't talking about him. But who was it that got anointed? The littlest one. Why? Because he was full of faith, and he was faithful. It didn't matter his size. God says, I don't look at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. David had been faithful to keep those sheep. Whatever little amount of sheep was in his charge, he had been faithful. He had killed the lion. He had killed the bear by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to protect his little flock. He had been faithful with what he was given. 
And God looked on his heart. It didn't matter what he looked like to the world. Do you see what I'm saying? Luke 16, 10 says, if you're faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large things. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. In other words, you can be trusted no farther than your faith and your faithfulness. You want to do bigger things? Then be more faithful with your smaller things. Has your station in life not changed in the last 10 years? Well, I would say check your faithfulness. Has your finances become stagnant? Check your faithfulness. Has your marriage become stagnant? Check your faithfulness. Now, I'm not necessarily saying committing adultery, you know, unfaithful in that regard, but are you faithful to date your wife? Are you faithful to show attention like you were at the beginning? Are you faithful to the marriage like you used to be? Let's talk about the world standard of success. What is it? What is the world actually looking for? And I know this because it was in me, ingrained from a child. Nothing I ever did was good enough. If I did something good, there was always another level. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't even the best guitar player on my street, you know, and I played nonstop. But we think we're going to be the greatest guitar player of all times. And unless you achieve the greatest, then your life has meant nothing. That's what the world wants us to believe. Fame and fortune. You got to get big. You got to get bigger. And when you get knocked down, get up and get bigger again. But the world's result is that 99.9999999999999% of all people in the world have to feel less than because they're not the greatest. They don't they're not a celebrity. They're not rich. They're not powerful enough. We all feel small. But in God's way, His way is that God judges each person based on what they do with what they were given. And in that scenario, we all have an opportunity to shine. So be faithful with what you were given and stop worrying about what you weren't. Be happy with the hand of cards God dealt you and with the success that that you're seeing with doing with what you have. In the parable of the talents, Jesus talked about he gave five talents to one, two talents to another, and one talent to another, and another version of it he gave 10 and 5 and and so forth but he says he gave to each severally uh, according to their abilities so he he didn't expect the person with two talents to to come back with as much as the guy with 10 talents he didn't have the ability to handle two talents is it bad that you only you're a two talent person no. Well, I'm a five-talent person. That person's only got two talents. 
The Bible says it's not wise to compare yourself one to another. You just, that's the world's way. Your responsibility will be according to your ability in God's kingdom. And you don't always have to spend your life wishing that you were better. Wishing that I was like so and so. And so that leads me to really where I wanted to get to most in this sermon. Your stuff matters to God. Though it may not be big in the world's eyes. The pain that you still feel every time you think about the loved one you lost. The pain you feel and your bunion and your little toe. All your pain is felt by God. But all your successes are too. When you got that new job. When you was able to Spend time with your, your kid and it meant so much to you. All the little things that we think, well, we can't bother God with that. He's, he's too big to listen to my little stuff. That's not true. He's omnipresent. He's all-powerful. And he's with you all the time. And if it's, if it's anything to you, it's something to him. He cares. He cares about your stuff. And he cares about your dreams. And he cares about your calling. And you sit there and you say, well, I, I can't do much because of my back and I'm on a fixed income and, and this and this. And I, and I can't do anything because of this. Not true. Not true. Not true. You say, well, all I do, all I can do is this much. But like Van says... How are you doing it? Is what you have God's? He can do big things through little people. And your little things matter. And he's keeping good records. That's the good news. So don't delay your destiny by despising your humble beginnings. He'll help you continue to do more. Look at your neighbor and say, you're important to God. And, and isn't that all that matters? In the grand scheme of things, when this world passes away, it, all that matters is that you're important to God. You're important to God. Your stuff matters. And, and I can't tell you how many people I know that won't do anything for God because they don't, they don't feel they have anything to offer. It's not true. It's a lie from the world. You be faithful with the little, he'll make you ruler over much.
It's just true. I'm just telling you. So let me show you a more excellent way. God's way. It's spelled L-O-V-E. Our lives are never bigger than when we're putting someone else first. That's when your life begins to matter. David had a, a friend named Jonathan. Anybody remember the story of Jonathan? You see, after David was anointed king, there was many years before he actually became king. But, you know, he, uh, the king at the time was King Saul. And King Saul was a bad king. He was the exact opposite. He was, he was immersed in the world's way. He wanted to be big in the people's sight. You remember the story about Saul, right? He only did things to please the people. He didn't care about pleasing God. So God said that's when he sent Samuel to Jesse's house to anoint a new king. But it was a while before David grew up and was ready to take the kingship. But in the meantime, Saul had a son named Jonathan. Now, if you know anything about kingships, the oldest son is going to become the next king. He's the rightful heir to the throne. And Jonathan was the rightful heir to the throne. But he became friends, best friends with David. And you know what he did? He saw that God was with David. He heard that David had been God's anointing to be the next king. Now, what are you going to do? You're like, no, no, I'm supposed to be king. Really, I mean, seriously. I mean, if we're thinking about doing things the world's way, I, I, I love you, David. I'll make you big in my kingdom, but I'm going to be king, right? And that's really the question we're asking here. Who's going to be king? Jonathan could have said, could have said no, I'm, I'm the rightful heir to the throne. I'm going to sit on the throne. And he'd been doing the same thing his dad did. But nope. He recognized that God's will was that David become the next king. And he gave him his robe. And he gave him his friendship. And he gave him his loyalty. And basically he was saying, I'm giving up what the world thinks about me to see God's will be done. You be king, God. Your will be done. It's a beautiful story. You're never more important than when you give up your life for someone else. In Matthew 19.30, it says, But many who are greatest now will be last or least important then. When? When we get to heaven. This upside-down kingdom that we're living in here, we're strutting around saying, Look at me. I'm great. In the world, I'm great in God's eyes. I can't wait to get to heaven. I know God's going to bless me, and we're going to get there. And he's going to say, well, where was your love at this whole time? I see you loved yourself a whole lot. I see you loved your position. I see you loved your title. But did you love anybody else? Many who are greatest now will be least important in heaven. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. No, Jonathan didn't sit on the throne on the earth. 
But I tell you, he's, I bet you he's ruling and reigning when we get to heaven. Love is the force that creates the eternal fruit God is really after. You know, the biggest church in all of America have 30,000 people come on a Sunday. Might find out that they're nothing in God's eyes but a crowd. If there's not true love there, if there's not discipleship happening, if God's way, ways are not ruling and reigning in that church, that's why I'm not despising small beginnings here at the Passion Church. Because we're doing things God's way. And if it takes a while to build that foundation so that we have a place to grow from, that's what we'll do. I'm not getting upset. And if we never grew and, and, and whatever and I get to heaven, that's on God. I'm going to enjoy the journey. I'm learning to relax. It's not my church. It's not your church. It's the church of Jesus Christ. And we're just part of it. First Corinthians 13. Without love, you're nothing, right? But we all have equal access to love. We can have as much of it as we're willing to give of it. You want to be bigger? You want to do more things for God than walk in more love? Jesus was one man. Upset the whole world. He came into the world with nothing, just like we did. He died a thief's death on, on our cross. After they'd done thrown dice for his clothes and did their worst. He had nothing when he came in, nothing when he went out, but he made all the difference in the world because he walked in love. And in fact, he is the love of God. He didn't come in his own strength. The power of the Holy Spirit was present in his life. It was given to him without measure because he had love without measure. Some of us want the power of God, but we have no love of God. And it doesn't work like that. He's not going to give you his power without the love because you'll destroy somebody with that power. Jesus didn't come to be big. His disciples wanted him to be big. I think that had a lot to do with why Judas turned on him. This man don't want to be big. This man don't want to do anything. He's hiding out from fame. His disciples said, go show yourself. Be big. Jesus, you know I'm going to be the greatest in heaven. See, he was turning their understanding upside down. He who dies with the most toys doesn't win. <laughs> your money, your earthly fame, they can't buy you God's rewards. By faith and love, little Gideon, the least in his family, saved a nation. Little soul food. Saves 32 little kids this month. <laughs> Led them to the Lord. 
Jonathan sacrificed the kingship for someone else and for God's plan. And little Davids all over are slaying big Goliaths. And I see it happening in our church. I see Angie, my wife, taking care of two mamas. Mine and hers right now. Back and forth to doctor's visits so that I'm able to do what I do. Just a, a huge blessing and a, a life of sacrifice. I see Rick and Anita raising their grandchildren. I see Brenda. I see you shuffling people all over in your broken down van. Discipling everybody. Oh, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't want to speak against that van because that van is used mightily of God. Thank you, God. It's not broken down. It's a miracle van. Callan, I hear you calling my mama. Reaching out to her. But even before she got sick, I heard she tells me about you calling her and checking on her. Pastor Chad. You know, we don't realize what a great man of God we have in our midst. When he walks the halls of the Warrior Center, the lives that he impacts and changes, speaks into. Donna, following up with everybody about everything. <laughs> Why? Because she cares. If she calls you, and ask you, have you been to the Next Step program yet? You better get with the program. Because <laughs> she's going to call you again next week. No. But why? Because she cares about your growth. She's not getting paid to do that. She loves you. Kirsty, you know what amazes me about you on Tuesday night prayer? Is you never fail to be a prayer shield for the employees that you have at Dillard's. You're always thinking about others in your prayer time. And Mary's not here today, but, you know, I don't think she's a real estate agent. I think she has a real estate ministry. She is, she's not putting profits over people. She's putting people over profits. And she's, I have seen her time and time again help some young family and spend so much time where she never even got paid. And most of the time they hurt her. A lot of times they, they start out with her and they leave her and, and treat her wrong. She doesn't take it personal. She knows why she does what she does. She does it for the Lord. Nicholas, Nicholas washed all the life group leaders' feet at a recent meeting. As an example that the Lord gave us. Thomas, you're a blessing in overdrive, buddy. Look, and he's back at the sound booth now. In a minute, he'll be running the camera. He's wherever he's needed. And many of you know that he's, he's uh, discipling people on the, on the lowdown. He doesn't ask for any credit, but he's loving people. He, he'll be here sometimes an hour after the service just talking to folks and helping people. And uh, There's so many faithful Behind the scenes. Some been doing what they do here at the church for years and years and years. I could call Tom, Denise. I guess she's probably in the back. 
where she most of her time is. By the way, we need some helpers in the back. Some of you budding new faithful people. Joe, it's whatever I need. And, and in a normal church, if I began to call out names like this, there would be a good chance that somebody's going to be mad at me when the service is over because you didn't call my name. But I think I can do it in this church because you know what? We're bigger than that. And that we know God sees what I didn't get to see. We know it's God's record that matter. And you, your name doesn't have to be called out to know what you've done for the Lord. Does it, Melody? <laughs> because she's here faithful cleaning the church. Our cleaning crew never gets seen. Never hear about it. Our sound and media and our children's workers. Our life group leaders like Helen who care about their people. There's good things going on. These are the things that matter in the kingdom of God. Are you listening? These are the things, little things. Have I, have I said anything that would be impressive to the world? Have I called out anything? They don't care. If you're not rich and famous, they don't care. But God cares about these things. And I have learned to care about these things. You know what? Little David's conquering Goliath because they don't come in their own strength. They don't come in their own name, but they come in the name of the Lord of Heaven's armies. And that's why little guys can do big things because God looks down and says, you know what? I'm going to use that person because of their faith and because of their faithfulness. And every act of love and kindness will be greatly rewarded. I, I wrote this and we'll close. Judgment Day will be the great equalizer. When everyone's work will be tried. All the records will be set straight. All the things made new. And the rewards will be passed out. And the question will be, what did you do with what I gave you? And none of us can say, well, I don't, you know. None of us can get out of that question, can we? Because what did you do with what you have? It's, it's a question that you can ask anybody. Your life is important. What this church does is important. And together we will continue to do little things that are big things in God's eyes. And that's how we will grow this church. And when it's all said and done, God will get all the glory, won't he? God will get all the glory. That's what I like. Jesus, not Muhammad Ali, shook up the world. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.